with demand expected to come back, the question remains, does this mean the economy is back on track? Companies now, after experimenting with offshore in places like India, Philippines, and Poland, want to bring those jobs back. We invest in the U.S. We're the biggest exporter in the country. In the cycle one right now, we're creating jobs. From Radio America, it's Neil Asbury's Made in America, the show that explores American industry large and small and promotes American-made products everywhere. Put Neil Asbury's Made in America to work for you. A very big welcome to you today. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, boy, uh, the, Bi- the Biden administration uh, has certainly... Uh, been delivering on what we should have expected, right? We have the war on energy. I mean, that's like very clear. I mean, look at what's happening to one of the most productive parts of our economy, an area of our economy that we can all be proud of. I mean, econo- uh, energy independence in our in our country. Who would have ever thought? And we were really getting into an incredible momentum there to make that grow and grow and grow. And, and look, I, it, I don't know. I mean, what, are, what did they say the other day? Hey, let's just have all those coal miners make solar panels. I, uh, yeah, let's see how that's going to work. Yeah, well, I mean, it, uh, the, ironically, the only part of the economy that worked when Obama was the president was the energy part, the energy sector, was the one thing that D- was despite, carrying us. Despite him. Yeah, despite him. And now we're back. You know, my God, any minute now, Doc Brown from Back to the Future is going to be on the screen. They're going to probably, you know, get him to be part of the administration. But the truth of the matter is, yeah, we're we're reliving. I don't know whether this is Obama 2.0 or 3.0. What would you consider 3.0? He had two. He's he's going beyond. This is the third. He's going beyond. So here we are. And uh, I'm just, I shudder. The Keystone Pipeline. Remember how many shows we did about the Keystone? Oh, yeah. Uh, And we were moving and grooving, and it was going, and it was going to be an incredible thing. Good for the environment, right? I mean, sending sending energy from Canada in a pipeline versus on on rail trucks, you know, which uh, rail the railroad, right? We we've talked a lot about that. Well, yeah, all the accidents that can yeah. happen. I mean, there. the whole concept. We're going to talk about fossil fuels and better for the economy, better for the energy, better for the air, better for everything, better for the greater good. The greater good is going to be two words that will be really important for the uh, Biden administration. Greater good. You will suffer for the greater good. You, the miners who are you know, going to be making solar panels, I'm sure somebody at age 60 will make an easy transition, except those companies don't exist right now. But we'll discuss that later. And our first guest is just terrific for this. That's right. A lot to talk about on the show today. We have an incredible guest coming up here just in a second. We're going to be talking about the um, minimum wage later on in the show, the $15. Andy Puster is going to be here. Again. Yeah, that's, that's a, good. A, a, a lot of fun. But first, we have the incredible Stephen Moore, who's an advisor at FreedomWorks these days. He's done many, many things in his career. He's a former uh, economic advisor to President Trump, and he's an author of many things, but he's written a piece in The Hill. We saw it. We liked it. Donald Trump had an economic record that will be remembered. Amen. (laughs) Stephen, welcome back to Made in America. Hi, gentlemen. Good to be with you. So, yeah, tell us, you know, what will President Trump's uh, economic legacy be? Well, I think it's a great question to ask because, of course, the left wants to, you know, um, impeach his behavior. And, uh, you know, I don't defend his behavior after the election, but there's no impeaching his record of accomplishment on the economy. It's been uh, spectacular, really. I mean, one of the best of any presidents in modern times, if not the best. And we saw 
record low poverty rates, record low unemployment rates, uh, record low inflation, record low uh, interest rates, uh, record high wage gains for American workers, um, and of all of all um, uh, races and ethnicities, uh, all genders. Um, so it was a broad-based prosperity that really lifted. By the way, the most amazing thing is that minorities actually did better than whites did, and lower-income people did better than higher-income people did. Well, uh, yes. I mean, we could. I mean, we need another whole show just to go over that again. But the litany yeah. is incredible for what this man did. He was just an incredible president when it came to the economy. You know, Stephen, he said he would do certain things. And one of the things that stands out in my mind is that he actually delivered on what he said he would do, including the average American's income, take-home pay, went up more than in, you know, in the last three presidents. Just an amazing yeah. job for the average American. So you would, you know, wow, he would probably get reelected. Oh, that's right, he didn't. It didn't happen. Well, you know, the uh, I remember this time ex- almost exactly a year ago, you know, almost uh, to the year to today, you know, I was, I was sitting back and looking at this incredible uh, economy uh, with 7 million surplus jobs. We'd never had that before. We had, we had a big problem. We had 7 more, million more jobs than we had people to fill them. And uh, I, I used to joke to President Trump, I'd say, Mr. President, stop creating so many jobs. We don't have enough workers for all these jobs. Um, you know, what a wonderful problem for a, for a country to have. And I remember pinching myself thinking, you know, something's going to happen. You know, it's going to be an earthquake or we're going to have a, you know, a tidal wave uh, or a tsunami or some, you know, terrorist attack or something. You know, I didn't count on a, on a, on a, a pandemic, a once in a century pandemic. But the amazing thing, too, that Trump needs to deserve credit for is not only did he build the economy once from the kind of melees of the Obama years. And by the way, the Democrats have rewritten history. Have you noticed that? Oh, my gosh, it was so great under Obama. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. We had, we had you know, 7 8% unemployment throughout most of his presidency. It was a terrible uh, performance, actually. Again, I give it about a D, not an F, because he did inherit a bad economy, but he just never fixed it. And so uh, Trump came in and you know, after the first half of the year when we uh, were, you know, uh, battling that pandemic, he really got the economy back. And it's the only reason the economy didn't do better in the fourth quarter is because all of these blue states uh, with blue state governors like Cuomo and, uh, and New York and my home state of Illinois, uh, Pritzker and uh, California's Governor Newsom, they shut down their economies. And, you know, you can't have growth if you if you shut down your businesses. One of the great mistakes I think we ever made in this country uh was was the lockdown of our economy so a tragedy that it continues to this day the only thing that's eclipsed by in terms of stupidity is shutting down our schools it's amazing to me here we are 10 11 months into this pandemic uh and we every single shred of evidence shows that uh, that uh, kids are not vulnerable to this disease and we still don't have our kids in school i i, I can't even talk about it rationally i'm so angry this is a ca- case of national child abuse well, you know, that that's a, the interesting thing in, in what you're just talking about right now with the schools is that the unattended consequences that I don't think the Democrat, well, maybe they did think of it because they, they, it, they're part of that. I mean, the unions are fighting it, for example, in, 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 in Illinois, I, I, was it Chicago, yeah. that they, the school yeah. board said, we want to reopen. And the union says, we're not going to do that. But they did have the ability to get out there and make all these nice videos that they can have a good time with. And then they wanted uh, teacher unions want an increase in pay. If they don't get the increase in pay, they're going to strike. I wouldn't know if the strike was on because they're not in school anyway. But but I don't think that, you know the, what? I don't even think they want to teach. You know, I really don't. I mean, if I were out of my job for 10 months. 
you know, I'd be itching to get back on the job, you know, no matter what it was. But, you know, if I, if I couldn't teach for 10 months, I'd be crawling back to the classroom. They don't want to. I don't think a lot of these people want to teach. And, and they have, you know, webs, you know, they have, they were wearing all T-shirts, you know, we're not going back to work and things like that. I mean, they, they're treating like this, this is like it's some kind of a, a paid vacation, which it has been for many of these teachers. I mean, not all of them. Some of them are very honorable and they've really worked hard with the online remote learning. But the other thing is we've got hundreds of thousands of kids around the country that have never even turned on the computer. It's, 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 it's amazing. I mean, look, I can't imagine, you know, how far these kids are going to be set back. I mean, you just can't learn that way. You just can't learn that way, Stephen. I mean, are are we going to what what impact is it going to have on these kids future and and, and, their their ability to earn? Very negative. And, 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 you know, look, I just even think of my own family, like we have two boys at home now and. You know, it's amazing how kids can be so different. You know, same, same mother, same father, but very different kids. One of them is, you know, very well motivated, and you know, he can sit there in front of the computer screen for five hours, and and the other one's you know, hyperactive. He's more like me. He can't sit in front of the computer screen for an hour. And you know, for the one, it's worked out fine. For the other, it's been a tragedy. And so, you know, the, it, what's interesting is that you know, the left loves to talk about income inequality and inequality of wealth and racial inequality. Well, who are the people who do you think have been hurt most by shutting down the schools? You know, rich parents, you know what they've done? They've sent their kids to private schools that are open. It's the, it's the lowest income parents uh, and uh, kids that are uh, basically going without schooling. You take an eight-year-old and you deny them a whole year of school, you do real damage to their, their lifetime earnings potential. Well, you know, you know, Stephen. What's also, and Neil, this affects you. You're a manufacturer. You have many manufacturing companies, yeah. and you have indicated before. Aren't you having trouble getting some folks to come back to the manufacturing job that you have sitting there in different states that you're in right now because of the fact that the schools are closed and somebody's got to be home? Yeah, that's a, that's another thing. It's just, I mean, that's an know, unintended the whole, consequence. The whole the whole workplace has been impacted by this as well. The efficiencies of American companies. How do we compete in the world? And then there was this whole thing, Stephen, with the unemployment insurance. It was like you can't hire people anymore because they make more money to stay at home. So I was just going to mention that, that um, that was a big problem. We had the weirdest situation last summer when the economy was starting to get back on its track and on its feet. And you had a lot of companies, you'd see help wanted signs all over the place. And yet we still had 20 million people unemployed. And the problem was that because of Nancy Pelosi, we were paying people, in some cases, twice as much money to stay unemployed than to go back on the job. And that's an important point, by the way, because Pelosi and Schumer, as we speak, are trying to shove through this $1.9 trillion phony COVID relief bill. And it raises, it gives people $400 a week extra unemployment benefits on top of the normal benefits. Uh, Casey Mulligan, one of the top economists in the country, University of Chicago and I, estimate that if they do that, we're going to have 5 million fewer workers, 5 million fewer workers, because workers will not go back. I mean, people aren't stupid. You know, if they've got a very tough job working in a factory or working as a truck driver or other tough jobs, you know, they're going to sit on the couch and say, hey, I get twice as much money for staying home. By the way, how is that fair? Liberals love to talk about fairness. How is that fair to the people who work 40 hours a week? Exactly. And, and look, I got to tell you, as a manufacturer, I, I, I was completely impacted by what you just said. And by the way, it never normalized. And Stephen, we got to take a quick break. We're together with uh, Stephen Moore. He's advisor at Freedom Works. 
He's also a former economic advisor to President Trump. Still a lot more to talk about with Stephen Moore and Dr. Rich Rothman. Stay with us. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman, and we are together with Stephen Moore, advisor at Freedom Works and former member um, of, well, a former economic advisor to President Trump. He played a very important role. He and his uh, good friend, Larry Kudlow, uh, had, uh, before even being elected, the whole economic plan that was, was actually uh, enacted once President Trump was was elected and has been so successful in creating more jobs than we knew what to do with. Well, you know, Stephen, I'm so glad you're on the show today because you, you just moved into an area of the $1.9 trillion in this Biden concept of creating jobs and saving the economy. Look, of all the people that we could talk to today, this week, when all the executive orders are being signed, is Stephen Moore. Stephen was part of the original team that created the ideas and the thoughts that the uh, President Trump articulated in Manhattan at the Economics Club that really worked for this country. Stephen is in the DNA of that. So, Stephen, when you look at the Biden plan, and I know you did a piece also this week, which I read a great piece, that I think you have a better idea. What is that? Well, first of all, I have to say that it's, all, it's been you know, just a little over a week of the Biden president. It seems like a year, doesn't it? I mean, you know, I can't even keep up with all the crazy things that are coming out. And, you know, I'm disappointed. I don't I don't I always put our country first. I don't I don't um, wish any ill will towards this president. I want him to succeed. I want our country to succeed. But my goodness, I mean, have you guys have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, the first thing, oh, we're going to kill 10,000 energy jobs. Then we're going to put America back in the worst, uh, you know, worst uh treaty in the history of the United States, the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, then we're going to have a $15 on our minimum wage and put teenagers out of work. And then we're going to have a $2 trillion spending bill all paid for with debt when we just passed a trillion dollar bill a few weeks ago. And, you know, then we're going to allow the Chinese to have access to our electronic grid. And then, I mean, I could go on and on and on. Oh, remember when Trump said, uh, you know, this is something I remember when he first said it. Uh, I was in the room. He said, you know, for every new regulation, remember this one? For every sure. new regulation, we're going to get rid of two regulations. Well, that was one of his first executive orders. Biden comes in and he says, I'm repealing this. And, and I loved the language he used. He said, well, this executive order that by Trump is um, frustrating. He used the word frustrating our federal regulators. I'm like, that was the point. <laughs> we don't want them to be regulating. We want them to keep their hands off the economy. You know, he wants, I mean, this is going to be a re-regulation economy. One of the things that, uh, you know, I, I want to kind of test your guys. Uh, I'm going I'm to do a little quiz with you because I just got these numbers literally this morning. Um, do you know what percentage of um, all of American's energy that we we consume every year. Do you know what percentage of that uh, uh, energy comes from natural gas, coal, and oil, the fossil fuels? Well, I would say I'm going to reverse. I have to invert that a little bit. Uh, renewable fuels is uh, about 11 percent, 8 to 11 percent. I'm talking, hold on, I'm talking about all energy, transportation, fuels, uh, electricity, all energy we use. Oh, it has to be way up there. It, it's 5 percent. Five percent. Five percent of all of our energy. That's amazing. I'm handing back my PhD. 
It's over. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I wasted seven years. Of, how much money have we spent over the last 30 years subsidizing wind and solar power? And it's up to 5%. Now, do you know what percentage comes from wind or, I mean, from, uh, from oil, gas, and coal? It's a wild guess. Well, then, if, if, if 5% comes from uh, renewable, then wouldn't the balance come from uh, fossil fuels? Well, we have other forms. We have net, we have nuclear power and okay, uh, nuclear. You know, okay, yeah, okay. You got to put that in there too. I, I I guess I would I would say sixty percent. You're too low. Eighty percent. Eighty percent comes yeah. from power. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- think so of, it's a big part of the it's, it's it's a big part of yeah. the picture. Exactly. I mean, eighty percent. By the way, most people are are stunned by those numbers. You know, the media never tells us that. So we're getting eighty. We're going to get go from eighty percent to zero. How insane is that? Is that insane? <laughs> We're going to shut down the American economy. You can't go from 80% to zero in 10 years. I mean, that would completely cripple every industry we have. How are you going to build steel? How are you going to build cars? How are you going to have the technology? How are you going to have any of this stuff with, if you're going to try to – these guys really think we can go to, like, uh, full you know, wind and solar power. It's just – it's such a fantasy, and it's, it's a dangerous fantasy. We, and, by the way, natural gas is a clean-burning fuel. It's a wonder fuel. It's cheap. It's abundant. It's made in America. It's reliable and it's clean. And yet the liberals are against that. So, so Stephen, you know how much of this? How can you explain that? I'm scratching my head. Like, why are they against natural gas? Is it because it's so good? Yeah, because it's it's a fossil fossil fuel, fuel. and the fund falls under the umbrella of fossil fuels, and the prejudice against that. Yeah, we we use more natural gas than any other country. We have the cleanest air. Yeah. Well, that's irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I know. I mean, it's it doesn't awesome. matter. I mean, it's not the agenda. <laughs> that's what counts. I mean, it's the agenda. We have another, you got me going here. Then we have another form of energy that emits no pollution. You know what that is? What's that? Nuclear. I don't want to guess anymore. I'm we, always we, wrong. Hydrogen. <laughs> hydrogen. Hydrogen. Yeah. No. Nuclear power. No, well, did I get the, wait, 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 wait. Did I get points for that? Hydrogen. I think you do. I'm going to give you some points for that. But All right. Jeez, I feel better. I'm redeemed. We, get like 50, we still get like 15% of our energy from nuclear power. Nuclear power is a great way to get energy. Oh, oh, that's no not fair. What? You, you can't use nuclear. I mean, that's going to upset Michael Douglas. You can't. And Jane Fonda. You can't do that. That's right. It's not going to happen. No, I mean, I, I, I just get so frustrated because what they want to do is use the most costly least efficient form of energy. Energy is the master. You know, you're in manufacturing. You know this. How can you manufacture anything without cheap and abundant energy? And it's one of the advantages that we have as a U.S. manufacturer. That's our selling point of the United States. Cheap, affordable energy that's always there. And let me tell you, I've lived in Asia, and let me tell you, energy is very expensive and, um, and and not easy to get, especially electricity. Well, you know, get to tell you guys another story because you really got my blood boiling here. So, you know, <laughs> people don't realize that Germany, you guys know this story, Germany, which is, you know, you're in manufacturing, you know, we, all the stories about German engineering and they manufacture cars and make BMWs and they make Mercedes. And, you know, uh, we all marvel at German and, uh, you know, uh, uh, manufacturing. Uh, Germany tried the green energy approach about 15 years ago. They said, you know what, we're going to go all in. We're going to do the wind. We're going to do the solar. You know right. what happened? All their Crunch. manufacturers went bankrupt. Yeah, they, they, to, they, they crunched abandon. out. Yeah, they had to abandon it. They said, this stuff doesn't work. We're getting crushed by the United States that's using energy that's half as expensive as we are. So 
the green energy has been tried. The green energy experiment has been tried, and it completely flopped in Germany. So now we're going to try it? Well, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it looks like we're going to have a lot to talk about over the next uh, few years, Stephen. <laughs> exactly. We're going mean, to get I your blood boiling some more here. Hey, Stephen, unfortunately, we're out of time. Folks, we've been with the, uh, with the infamous Stephen Moore, uh, advisor to Freedom Works, <laughs> former economic advisor to President Trump, an incredible personality, a great host on uh, Neil Asbury's Made in America. We really appreciate him being here today. Stephen, thanks for being with us. Okay, thanks, guys. Take care. Have a great day. Bye. Coming up, we have former CKE restaurant uh, CEO Andy Puzder, and we're going to talk about the $15 minimum wage and what that will do to our economy. Stay with us. Made in America. higher at the open. Stocks continued to perform well over the course of the day Tuesday. And I think that bodes well here over the next couple of years for having bigger demands coming to this country. Now, more of Neil Asbury's Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. Rich, you know, I've been on the Hannity Show with uh, Stephen Moore. He's been on our our... <laughs> He's been on our radio show many times for years, and uh, boy, he is—he is—he's all exercised, man. He's all jazzed up. How, how it's, could it's you, what, how could you week, not be right now? It's, a week into the administration, we're losing jobs by the hour. My sister calls me. My older sister calls me. Listen, he lost another fifty-eight thousand jobs this afternoon. He wanted to know if I knew it. I said, "Yeah, it's all over my phone." I, I get <laughs> it. I understand that. We're getting into this. This is like—I can't wait for week two. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Andy's going to explain the whole thing to us. I know that's going to happen. Ah, uh, you just stole make my me feel thunder. better. We're very pleased. You just, you just, you just uh, did a great job of, uh, of, of Segway? getting getting the folks excited, <laughs> even more excited than they already are. We're very pleased to have Andy Puster, who is the former CEO of CKE Restaurants, and you know them as Carl's Jr. Yeah. and Hardee's. Great brands. Great, 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 great brands, brands. Great restaurants. Iconic brands. And currently he's the senior fellow at Pepperdine University, and he's with us right now. Andy, welcome to Made in America. Uh, great to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. So we uh, talked earlier uh, on the show and kind of um, was commiserating about the $15 minimum wage and why do we need that. And as Stephen Moore brought up just uh, a moment ago about it's going to destroy uh, jobs for, for our teenagers and people going to school. I know that I worked from a very early age. Those minimum wage jobs uh, for me were incredibly important for my career and getting me ready for what was to come. Um, but why, you know, on the left, they they just been in love with this $15 an hour minimum wage, and it's just always been there. And I guess now that Biden's in the White House, by God, they're going to do it by hook or by crook. I mean, what happens next? Well, it, you know, to put this thing in context, you have to remember the, the arguments that, that you were just making are, are really very valid and strong arguments. And Steve's very good on this point. Uh, but we're actually coming out of a pandemic and, and the deepest recession since the, the uh, since the Great Depression. So this is a bad time economically. And what we need are jobs. Now, 50 percent of the jobs in this country were created by small businesses before the pandemic. But as you guys know, small businesses are dropping like flies. 
I mean, we've lost tens of thousands of small businesses that closed permanently. And the one that's, ones that have survived have had, to help, have had help from the federal government under, under the payroll protection plan, where the government's pledged about a trillion dollars to help them pay their employees. They're just barely surviving as we come out of this. And so what does President Biden want to do? And Bernie Sanders, well, they want to increase labor costs for the people that we've been lending money to so they could pay their employees. We want to take the minimum wage up to $15 for businesses that are barely surviving, that are hiring, that, that want to hire people, that want to grow, but they can't because these economic lockdowns have killed their business and they've been unable to hire and unable to grow. Not only will, does he want to increase the minimum wage to $15 and make it impossible for these people to stay in business, but he also wants to increase unemployment benefits by $400 uh, a, a week which means that it's going to be more profitable for people to stay home than it is to go out and work. So we're going to want small businesses to create jobs to get us out of the pandemic so the economy can recover. And Biden's plan to do that is to increase the cost of hiring people, which will discourage businesses from doing so, and then discouraging people from working by paying them not to work. I mean, this is utter nonsense. It's almost as nonsensical as their energy plan. Well, you know, I, I agree with that. I mean, why is it that the Democrats just don't understand that, you know, local markets can really dictate what you have to do? And why is it also that they come up with the myth that, you know, folks are really only making $7 or $8 an hour. They're really not making only $7 or $8 an hour. There are ways for them in terms of tips and so forth that they are making more money than that. But we keep coming back to the stereotype myth that it's impossible for these people to uh, to make more than 7 or $8 an hour, and we have to subsidize that, and we have to make sure it's 15 In the meantime, there's nowhere for them to go. I mean, how do you, you know, you, you, what I find interesting, Andy, is that I've been watching the real color. You know, I'm in the publishing business for many, many, many years, a lot of magazines. And, um, and the color in the story would be Main Street, what's happening in uh, L.A., for example, or San Diego, or uh, L.A., I think, where this woman has a restaurant. She's told she has to be outside. She spends all that money to get her outside ready to go. Then, the, then Newsom says, well, you can't do that. No outside. We have bad numbers. We can't do that. And then within 24 hours, a movie set is setting up three large tents next to her for outdoor eating for the folks who are shooting a movie. In the meantime, here's the color. In the meantime, the average person, Joe, on the street can survive because they put all their money into staying around and keeping the people there. Then they put money into getting something they could do outside. Then they're told, maybe we're coming out of the pandemic. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to maybe triple or double what you're paying people right now. I mean, these people are going to just jump into the Pacific Ocean, Andy. Well, you sure give me a lot to talk about there. Let's start with the- <laughs> did that, did that, Is that good? I, th- I thought that was all right. <laughs> we should be in radio. <laughs> the, uh, you could make the minimum wage $2 an hour. That doesn't mean people would be earning $2 an hour. Right now it's seven twenty-five. If you want to know what people are earning, drive by your local fast food restaurant. They're all advertising for $11, $12 an hour for starting wages. Nobody makes seven twenty-five an hour because under President Trump, unlike under President Obama, where we had no months where there was 3% wage growth, before the plant pandemic, we had 20 straight months of 3% plus wage growth. The average wage in the United States went from $26 an hour when President Trump was elected to almost $29 an hour by the time uh, the pandemic hit. So we had very substantial wage growth. Nobody's making 11 or $12 an hour. 
What's happening in California, for example, with these lockdowns is absolutely absurd. I have a, I had an article in the Wall Street Journal a week or two ago about a, a, a woman named Molly who runs a, an Italian restaurant in Santa Barbara, California. She called me in tears. She's, that's my favorite Italian restaurant, by the way. But she called me in tears because she couldn't pay her employees. She couldn't pay her rent. She didn't know how she was, where she was going to live, what she was going to do, because Gavin Newsom shut down outdoor dining. Why you would shut down outdoor dining, it makes no sense. There was no indication that that was spreading uh, COVID at all. Now, after the inauguration, right, after the inauguration, Newsom comes out and says, you know what, the numbers aren't getting better yet, but we think they're going to get better. So we're going to pull back on these restrictions. Now you can have outdoor dining. In other words, they were driving people out of business purely for politics, purely to make President Trump look bad. Cuomo's now said, I think we can pull back on the restrictions in New York. Whitmer is allowing restaurants to open in Chicago. Uh, Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago, excuse me, in Michigan. Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago wants to talk to the governor. This is the day after the inauguration. She announced she's going to meet with the governor to try and get restaurants open in Chicago. This was political. They let people's businesses die. They let people's jobs die. They took income from people. Uh, They took the respect and dignity of a job and running a business away from people. It was ridiculous. It was political. And they should be punished politically for it. It should be obvious now to everyone what they were doing. Hey, Andy, uh, we've got to take a quick break. Uh, folks, we're together with Andy uh, Puzder. He is um, former CEO of CKE Restaurants. That's Carl, Carl's Jr. and, and Hardee's. Uh, he's also a very important advisor to President Trump, economic advisor to President Trump. He's with us. Stay with us. You don't want to miss it. Made in America. Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman, and we are together with Andy Puzder. He is the former CEO of CKE Restaurants and former economic advisor to President Trump. Uh, Andy, so much to talk about and so little time. Um, what power does Biden have to unilaterally enact a $15 an hour minimum wage? I mean, can that just be done through executive order? I mean, is that something that has to go through Congress? You know, what's the next steps with that? Well, he can't do it through executive order. He can order that uh, that that people who are employed, contractors who, empl- who are employed by the federal government, pay their employees $15 an hour, which, of course, means that all of us taxpayers are going to pay a lot more to get things done than we otherwise would have had to. But he does have the authority to do that. Congress would have to increase the minimum wage. It would have to pass the House, which it already has. It would have to pass the Senate, which is less likely. I doubt that it's going to have the uh, the 60 votes that it needs to get to, to for the to get through the filibuster and get passed in the Senate. But who knows? You know, sometimes there are Republicans that uh, sometimes vote for these policies because they think they need to. Uh, so, but it'd have to get through Congress, and uh, we'll see if that happens or not. Sanders is pushing it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. What do you think? What do you think will have to happen? for the winds of change and it's because you were just talking about California and about shutting down the restaurants and the misery and everything that's going on out there. I, I, I flew for a meeting uh, for a day to, to Southern California last week uh, from South Florida. And I got to tell you, it was night and day. It was like parallel universes. I leave South Florida and it's like 
It's like you what pandemic? Yeah, we're thriving. <laughs> Where's what? Pandemic? We're thriving. Was it what pandemic? Everything's open. Restaurants are open. It's just like people are getting on with their lives. Yes, everybody's wearing a mask, and everybody I think is being responsible about it. Then you go to Southern California, and I got to tell you, it's gloom and doom. I mean, you walk into a hotel, everybody's scared, and you know, it's just it's just the feel. It was like wow, that's like crazy. And uh, I'm glad I don't live in that place. So so what happens in California? Are people going to just get so fed up with this stuff and just say, look, enough? Hey, look, you got a recall going on with Governor Newsom right now. That's pretty and close. They're getting very close they're getting very to the close. minimum they need. Yep. Is, is, is the winds of change blowing in California or am I just is that too is that just too rich of a thought? Well, my uh, my friends in California tell me that they think the reason that the lockdowns were lifted last week wasn't only because Biden was uh, was now inaugurated as president. It was it had to do with the uh, the number of signatures they had on the recall petitions, which are close. Uh, they're you know they're 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 it's very likely they're going to get the number of signatures they need uh, to get Newsom out of office, and I I think that will uh, that will send a message not only to him but for anybody anybody who follows him into office if he is uh, in fact recalled and not reelected. Um, you know, there's a strong message here that people. You know, I'm in Tennessee. We're open for business here, too. I, you know, you could go to restaurants. You can go wherever you want. Uh, and the per capita death rate in California now is uh, above what it is in Florida. And that that's even though you have people, uh, you know, you have a, a, an older population in Florida because of all the retirees. If you look at this death rate by uh, by age group, if you 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 uh, adjust it so you consider people's ages in it. California is doing worse than Florida, and Florida is wide open. So not, a lot of this was political. Look, they, they pulled out every possible uh, ploy they could come up with, everything they could, every conniving, everything they possibly could do uh, to politically damage President Trump, and it worked. I mean, they got somebody elected who's, I don't think a lot of people think is competent to be president, uh, but, you know, he got elected, and he is the president at this point. Um, and they did. They pulled every trick out of the book they could to get the guy elected. And, you know, it worked. And a part of this was was really overstating uh, the um, uh, the threat from the pandemic in, in these blue states. And um, and, it, you know, to the extent it made people nervous, it succeeded. Now, of course, we, we've got the vaccine. I got my shot last Friday, my first shot from the Moderna vaccine. Uh, thank God for Moderna and capitalism and Operation Warp Speed. Oh, thank uh, God for President Trump. Andrew who had the, Trump, the yeah. intelligence and the fortitude to cut through the bureaucratic tape to make it happen. That's really important. Very, very important. If it was not for President Trump, that wouldn't have happened, I think. Well, and, you know, with, with, because he cut the red tape, we've got a little company from Massachusetts, this Moderna. And as I said, I got the shot last Friday, beat every country in the world to coming up with the vaccine. The only people that came up faster was another American company, Pfizer. Right. Uh, Which I got, the, by the way, last week as well. If these, uh, if the, you know, if if the socialist governments, if these governments that Bernie Sanders is so pleased with, and their medical systems were so wonderful, maybe one of them would have come up with a vaccine. None of them did. One in China, it turns out, it's about fifty percent effective. Uh, they tested it in Brazil. Uh, the Aztec, um, Azteca, is that it? The Oxford University Azteca vaccine is about seventy percent effective. Moderna and Pfizer are ninety-four, ninety-five percent effective. So this is a real testament to President Trump. Operation Warp Speed and American capitalism. And Andy, I mean, this is a, a, a question, you know, that you're very qualified to answer. I mean, what happens to America's restaurant industry, you know, going forward? I mean, what happens? How 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 much can they recover? 
and how quickly can they recover? Well, you know, it's interesting. The um, fast food restaurants, restaurants with drive-throughs, or restaurants that 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 had a, uh, a high percentage of their business third-party delivery, like Uber Eats or you know one of or DoorDash, uh, they've actually done better in the uh, pandemic than they did before the pandemic. So they're, they're going to come out of this pretty strong. It's your mom and pop restaurants. You know, it's your local Chinese or Italian, you know, local pizza place. These are the people that have been shutting down and suffering. The, the, the small businesses, the entrepreneurs, you know, that put their life's work into, you know, renting out a building and making great food for their neighborhood. They're, they're the ones that are going to be gone when this is over. And that'll be a tragedy for America. It's not only a lost job, but we'll lose a lot of our culture. Yeah, I mean, it's like going to New York City. What do you do? You know, if there's no restaurants. You don't go. Yeah. That's the point. And and I don't see how they recover. Andy, hey, thanks. It's been incredible to have you back with us. Uh, a great guest, Andy Puzder, uh, former CEO of CKE Restaurants, senior fellow at Pepperdine University, former advisor to President Trump. It's really great to spend some time with you today, Andy. Great to be here with you guys. Uh, anytime, just let me know. It's very Thanks. therapeutic to do this. <laughs> <laughs> we love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. Thanks for being here for us. Need, we're all going to need therapy for the next four years. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be uh, group therapy uh, sessions here on our show. <laughs> guys. Coming up, Dr. Rothman and I are going to have some final thoughts for the day. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host, Dr. Rich Rothman. So, Rich, uh, two incredible guests, Stephen Moore today uh, and Andy uh, Puzder. I mean, both have been on our show before. Uh, really great, great insights. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about, and it's... I think Stephen's still talking. <laughs> I mean, I have. we've had him on a number of times on the show over the years, but I have never seen Stephen get on a horse and ride it this hard. When he's so concerned about certain things, and I got to tell you, he was on a high horse today, running. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you know what? Rightfully so. And then, of course, uh, uh, Andy and the, and the minimum wage. And see, the the one thing that that bothers me with the minimum wage is that a minimum wage of fifteen dollars in many cities of our country is just not enough. So what's fifteen? Why is that a magic number, right? Why is that a magic number? Now, if you go to rural America. $12 an hour is a great job because the cost of living. And, and if you all of a sudden say that in rural America that you got to pay $15 an hour, many of those jobs and companies and, and businesses can't exist. Yeah, they're going to go. Hour, right? They're going to they go. Can't. So $15 an hour in Seattle, does that mean that everybody's now going to lower their wage to $15 and everybody's going to make less? Or does it mean that in rural America that $15 an hour means that you don't have a job anymore because it can't afford to pay that 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 rate. And by the way, it's not necessary because people are very happy because just the whole cost of living and everything is just so much different. How can you compare some remote town in Appalachia to, you know, downtown Los Angeles? Right. You know, you can't. How, how do you compare the cost of living in those two locations? You can't. It just doesn't. They're 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 all they're uh, different. Parallel universes. I mean, very different. 
Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the sad part of the whole thing. But you see, I don't think it really has anything to do with that. I think if you have to look at the bigger picture, and, and I, we don't have a ton of time to do it right now, but we can in a future show. And that is that Bernie Sanders, the progressives, have been pushing for a universal uh, stipend that the government would have a guaranteed income for everybody. That's what they want. That's part of their agenda, Neil. And if you look at what they're trying to accomplish with this guaranteed payment, which they pull from other countries, other socialist countries, it really equates to something like $15 an hour. So getting to $15 an hour is is a, a, a red mark for them. It's a line for them that they really need. It's a baseline of where they want to be. That, that's a fact, Jack. Be, and we can go into this. I'd be delighted to present a lot of research on that. But, no, you cannot say, you're right, you're 100% correct. Someone sitting in Little Rock, you know, making $15 an hour is, you know, radically different than a guy sitting in Manhattan where I grew up. $15 an hour, of course, wouldn't cut it. $20 an hour wouldn't cut it. It's that much more expensive. So you really have to let local market dictate, which it does very effectively. Local market can dictate what people will earn, what they will spend, and so forth. Uh, But that doesn't work well when you're talking to a progressive. Because that's not good. Then you're shifting the power back to the locals. You don't. They don't want to do that. They want to eliminate that, and they want to consolidate all the power up in Washington for bigger, bigger bureaucratic government. So uh, Andy's right, 100%. This is not good. This will cost a ton of jobs if you have to go do this. You're going to lose a lot of jobs. And I think you know the numbers you're talking are are staggering. And when you combine that with what we're doing with our energy uh, uh, industry right now, you know, the uh, the whole fossil fuel industry. And, and hey, look, isn't it all about slogans, right? It's a slogan, right? $15 an hour minimum wage. It's a slogan. Uh, climate change. It's a slogan. But the, but the issues are so much more complex than that. Like what Stephen Moore said today, natural gas is one of the cleanest gases or cleanest forms of energy that you can have. Oh, absolutely. And it's abundant. And, we have and it it's in inexpensive. And we have it and it's clean and your air is clean and everything. That we export it. We have so much. But it's a slogan. Fossil fuels are bad, right? So mm-hmm. anything from fossil fuels are bad. Uh, so therefore, it doesn't fit the slogan. Well, if you think about it, you know, uh, fossil fuels, that whole in- industry, oil and natural gas and, you know, shale and fracking and coal and everything that falls under that umbrella was very important to the Obama, admini- uh, to the, uh, uh, Obama Trump, administration. Uh, well, Trump, Trump administration, and he pushed very heavily to make us energy independent. Now, to eliminate that really turns, every, turns the corner completely from Trump back to Obama and, and Biden. So that, that's where we're headed right now. That's what's going to happen. And, it's, and it's, it's most unfortunate. You're right. Ironically, the cleanest fuel that you can use right now, and we're doing a great job. We have, more, we have less output of CO2 than we did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Can you say that for people like, oh, the folks in India and China? Who's, by the way, not part of the, the Paris uh, Climate Accord. They, they don't do anything until maybe 2030. Maybe. No guarantees. Maybe. They, Put that they, one in your pipe. Yeah, they self they self uh, validate. You know, it it means that <laughs> there is no there is no uh, uh, control over what happens there. Anyway, Doctor Rich, thank you for being with me today, and and it was been wonderful to spend time with you and our guests. But unfortunately, we're out of time. We're going to be back again next week for another adventure of Made in America, where we never stop fighting for your jobs. 